Welcome to episode 66 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Jesus coming in the flesh was not just an act of benevolence from God. It was a divine act for our redemption when Jesus clothed himself in the form of humanity. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. I want to talk to you today about the critical importance of the incarnation of Jesus Christ and why his virgin birth and him coming in the flesh is so important in the scriptures. Let me read to you a scripture that has to do with the incarnation. It's 1 John 2 and verse 27 says, As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. You know, that verse is talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. I've heard people quote it out of context, saying that they didn't need to be taught by anybody. But what we've got to understand, in the first century of the church, there were two major doctrinal issues that kept arising that the church fathers uh, convened and discussed and looked at the Old Testament scriptures on, and the eyewitness accounts from the first century apostles. And those heresies, those doctrinal disputes were very similar. One was very simple, that Jesus was not God. I wouldn't say it was very simple, but they asserted that Jesus was not God. And interestingly, most of them would not say he was a man or just a prophet like maybe the present-day Jehovah Witnesses or other cults like that do. But they would say he was a unique creature of God. He was created by God. He was a messianic personality, but he wasn't God. He was a man, but he was a unique man, but he wasn't God. Then on the other side of the spectrum, there was the group that said, oh, yeah, he was God, but he wasn't man. In other words, he came and he looked like a man, but he wasn't really a man. He was kind of a spirit being, and he came to so people could be familiar with God, but God could not really ever lower himself to be clothed in the flesh. Both of these are an error because they don't fully understand that Jesus is both fully man and fully God. In this scripture here that I cited to you about no man teaching you anything is in reference to the deity and the oneness of Jesus with the Father. Now, that's easy to see if we read the text. If we go up to verse 22, it says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Wow. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. So he's saying the spirit of the Antichrist is the one who denies the Christ. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So he's teaching us that Jesus is indeed God, that the Father and the Son cannot be separated, and to deny one of any part of Christ is in fact 
to deny the Father. This is very critical in our thinking to understand that Jesus coming in the flesh was not just an act of benevolence of God, but it was a divine act of redemption for him to clothe himself in the form of humanity. Now, in verse 26, which is, of course, the verse before I read to you about verse 27, not having uh, a need for anybody to teach you, he says, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. What were they trying to deceive them about? They were trying to deceive them into saying that Jesus was kind of a mystical figure. He was real and he was there, but he was kind of like a spirit being. He really was not God clothed in the flesh. This is just important to understand. So then in verse 27, when he says, for you have the anointing you have received from him, which abides in you, and you have no one or no need for anybody to teach you anything, what he's talking about is, listen, you do not need to hear from these false teachers. You have no need for anybody to try to give you any other doctrine, anybody to teach you anything else, but that Jesus was fully man and fully God. And if you read the whole text, you can really come in to a great appreciation of that. At the end of verse 27, it says, and this is true and not a lie, just as it has been taught you, you abide in him. So what he's saying is, you don't need another revelation of Jesus. You don't need a great mystical teaching. You don't need some uh, great philosopher trying to tell you something. These people are trying to deceive you. You do not need anybody to teach you anything else. The anointing you have, of course, the word anoint, the word Christ, you know, they are, they are the anointed one, the Christ. That's the same root, and that's what you carry. We know in Philippians 2.7, uh, for instance, what the Bible says about Jesus, what does it say? That he came and he emptied himself, right? And he took on the form of a servant. He took on the form of man so that, we, so that he could understand. So he was fully God, yet he was fully man. In Philippians 2, 7, it says, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of man. He was fully man. Now, he was a sinless man because he was born of a virgin. Why was Jesus born of a virgin? To escape the sin nature that comes through the male seed that determines the blood type, okay? That was a very scientific thing that the Holy Spirit did when Mary was chosen to conceive as a virgin, that Jesus escaped the sin nature, yet he was a man. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So Jesus operated on the earth as an anointed sinless man, as the Christ, not out of his divinity. He set that aside, but yet he was fully God. And of course, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Jesus, and this is critical, was not a created being. It wasn't the Father, and then the Father created the Son. They are the triune God. They always were, they always are, they always shall. They can never be anything less than that. 
And so the incredible miracle, the redemptive act of the incarnation, God coming to earth and filling up a body. Think about it. All the philosophical religions teach man that he should try to become like God. And certainly we should try to be like Jesus, our Lord. I'm not suggesting we're not. But Christianity is so radically different because God came and became like man. So that when you read Isaiah 53, for instance, that he was touched by our infirmities. He bore our sorrows. Surely our griefs he knew. How could he do that as God if he did not set aside his deity and clothe himself in the form of humanity? And so when we celebrate God come to earth, when we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, that is critical to the redemptive plan of God. That is non-optional. You cannot be a believer in the Savior of Jesus Christ and not believe he was the Christ, not believe he was fully man, not believe he was fully God. That is essential to that belief system, that we understand that the beauty of God's redemption and that Jesus was incarnate. He pre-existed as God, yet he set that aside, came through the human faculties of being conceived, yet that conception was of the Holy Spirit, spent the nine months in his mother's womb, was raised as a child, <laughs> yet perfect and without sin because he escaped the sin nature of Adam through the natural forms of conception. Jesus was incarnate. That's why his death on the cross was different from anybody else's death. That's why his death, he was able to nail all the ordinances and all the accusations against us with every strike of the hammer. He nailed them to the cross that he became sin for us who knew no sin, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became our unrighteousness that we could become the righteousness of God and have standing with God. God did not send an idea. God did not send a plan. God did not send a strategy. God clothed himself in humanity. And I want you to think about this as I begin to close here. That is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. He is the head and we are his body. And today the God of heaven, the King of heaven, has clothed himself with you and I as the body of Christ that he might demonstrate himself to this world just as he did. So we are a continuing part, certainly a different part, but a continuing part of the act of redemption as the body of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the incarnation. Thank God that Christmas is really real. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. If this has been an encouragement to you, why don't you reach out and send this podcast to somebody else and invite them to join you in listening to it. Have a great day. Today, Keith began a discussion on the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Wow. Can we just pause for a minute and pray? 
Lord, we just stop and we thank you. Thank you for the incarnation. Thank you that Jesus wasn't just God or just man, but fully God and fully man. Thank you that you didn't send an idea or a plan or a strategy, but that you clothed yourself in humanity for my redemption. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.